welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I have a little commercial for you. It's a relationship commercial. I even have a slide before I start talking tonight. See how Sidwell does. Look at her. She's feeling good. Look at her. She even gave me a vanna. It's from our friend Margaret. I'm going to call her Najib. That's what I'm going to call her. This is what she says with this slide. Love without neediness. Love without manipulation. That's really what we long for. That's really what we need. As we become more emotionally healthy and more honest about our flaws, we need people less and we can love them more. Y'all can read this later when you have more understanding. We can own our own feelings instead of trying to control or change them. It's not uncommon for relationships to encounter power struggle. Have you had any lately? Anyone had any? If you hadn't had any, you're not in a relationship, just saying. <laughs> Power struggle involves the desire to connect on your own terms. Get your, th- get your feet out there. It's often triggered by feelings of disappointment and anger that the other person will not be there for you in the ways you want them to be and a fear that they will not accept you as you are. This is just hitting home. That's why you're being so quiet, isn't it? (laughs) Diffusing the struggle requires an honest look at how and why you place demands on another person. Maybe you didn't hear that. Diffusing the struggle... This power struggle I just spoke of in the previous paragraph. It wasn't long ago. Diffusing the struggle. Have you been in a power struggle lately? I'm giving you some answers today. Maybe you haven't been in any. Therefore, you're not in any relationships. Diffusing the... Did I say that already? Diffusing the struggle requires an honest look at how and why you place demands on another person. Here's a few questions to help you get started. What did I learn about relationships? What was missing? What didn't get to happen? In what ways do I try to demand or project this onto others? How does this affect them when I do this? And how does this affect me? There's your commercial of the day. You're on that little teeter-totter right there. I have a desire to connect with you, but maybe my desire to change you is greater. You choose. So, it's a free commercial for you tonight. So tonight I'm going to give you a few more definitions before I talk more. I heard there was a lot of enjoyment about that, and I enjoyed it rather well. I've got some really good ones tonight. I want to start out with what Cheryl said on Sunday. She reworked my question. I liked it a lot, so I just reworked what she said after she reworked my question. This is what I came up with, and I'm quoting Cheryl, even though it's not a direct quote. If your hearing is attached to what's comfortable to you instead of what God actually says, then you will build a false temple. Did you hear Cheryl say that? 
She had that drop, drop the mic moment. I like it because as soon as she says it, this whole posture comes over. I love it. So before I go to our definitions, before we talk about the covenant of obedience a little bit more tonight, I want to, this is the question that Papa gave me today, is what does obedience create righteousness? How does, why does, sorry, that was clearly, I was going ahead of myself. Why does obedience, it was why, it's a why word. Why does obedience create righteousness in us? That's the question we're going to answer tonight. Here's a couple definitions God gave me today. The first one is needs. The scripture that he told me was that um, was Philippians 4.19. This is what he said. He said, I supply these. God supplies these. Let's make a little exchange before I even read the rest of the definition. Let's get off of people that they're a need meter. See, what? I don't know where that got onto the planet, okay? But it's not kingdom. I don't know where that was introduced to you. Probably in the five love languages. I don't know where y'all got it. But that's not what it means. Okay? I could go into a long dissertation about what needs means in the needs means in the Bible, but I won't. But this is the scripture. I'm convinced. Say I'm convinced. Turn to your neighbor. Say, I know she's saying I'm convinced. I don't know if I'm a hundred. But I want to be. I want to be before I leave tonight. I want to be 100. I'm a little bit weak right now. Okay, that's enough. I am convinced that God will fully satisfy every need. You can see where you're off already, right? See, instead of going to your spouse or your neighbor or your friend or me or some other random person that's got something you want, Let's try just going on up top. Wanna? You wanna try that with me? Let's go on up top. Let's just tell him what we need. And let's say to him, I think I have this need since you're the supplier. If this need is off, as the answer comes down, just rework that in me. Isn't it? See, I've done this, so that's how I know it. I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have, for I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through Jesus Christ. See, I've seen that we are going to buy new drums this week. I told you I had big news. I said I had good news. You little people threw your pennies in a bucket and bought five grand worth of drums. You. You did that. I've seen it. Have you been looking? See, you have to understand that we're not preaching. This is just definitions, okay? If I Here's what I wrote. This isn't scripture, but it could be. If I'm looking to another person to meet my needs, then I'm not fully reliant upon him. And they will disappoint me. That's good. That's good news. Since God supplies, then God uses what he wants 
to supply. It may be people. It might be his presence. But full reliance on him provides the meeting of the need. See, that's where we get off because, see, then it turns into, if you want it from a person, you're going to have to manipulate your need in a way that makes that person want to give that to you. But the problem is, what's going on in that person, they will never want to give that to you. Unless they want to manipulate you later. So then we're just exchanging manipulative tactics. And guess what? None of the needs meet up. Payback is it's not good. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? Payback isn't good. It's not a good thing. Did y'all think I was going to cuss there or something? I'm not a cusser. Number two definition is my will. Here's my definition of that. It's my offering to the one. Its strength is not to be used against God. My will. But in cooperation and in consort. I had to look that word up when he gave me that word. I was like, "That God, that's a big word. It's in agreeableness and harmony with him. So I had to write the harmony definition, clearly. Because if we're going to be in consort with him, right? We've got to know what harmony means. So here's what harmony means. To make my mind be in agreement with his. To cherish the same views. To seek the same interest. And to the advantage of the one. To direct my mind in the direction of his mind. It's the state of moral and spiritual perfection. I don't even think y'all got that. That was a, I got a, mm. You want some perfection in your life? Harmony is the way. Now we used to eat hominy when I was a child. This is not that. Harmony is actually adjusting you to him. My last definition for the night is my favorite of the night is negativity. This is where your soul poops on the world. That's what it is. Have you ever had, have you ever had, have you gotten pooped on today? Anybody? Everyone can do it. Everybody can do it. Are you, are you feeling a little negative right now about these definitions I'm giving you? Anybody? I can tell everyone's not excited, but they just lied right then when I said they feel a little negative. They got no answer. <laughs> But listen, here's what I said. But kingdom mindsetters are trendsetters. We go against the hopelessness to bring hope. We should never be adding to the pooping process of others. But rather giving hope in their hopelessness. We're scatterers of joy and hope. Not more scatterers of negativity pooping. Agreed? 
See, what is it that we're doing when someone's negative? Anyone had any negative stuff today? Yes? What happened? Give me an example. Anybody? You said yes, so you must have an example. No? Weak, weak, weak participation right here. No? Okay. God was saying that he got sick because God wanted him to get sick. Okay, and so what did you say? Um, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then I just kind of left it. Yeah. So see, there's your open door. So are you afraid to say, hey, let me give you some truth? It's like an open door. So see, in that moment, we're having a truth rise up in us. A truth that feels been fully equipped and prepared for. See, what what we have to understand, that's how God sets it up to train us. Because that guy's just given a definition of something. So we either go along with the definition by saying, yeah, I don't know. See, it's just an opportunity. And see, I think you have to realize that all of these definitions we're talking about, it's just God's going to give you a chance to actually participate in giving something else when you hear it. When you hear a wrong definition of something, change their mind. Have you not ever done that before where you told somebody something? I can see you're not going to participate in that. Okay. That's all right. I'll just give you some truth. You can do whatever you want to with it. Um, okay. I'm going to start. I'm going to talk tonight a little bit more about the covenant of obedience. And I'm still, I'm still going to steal a few lines from Andrew. I like him a lot. But I do have a scripture to start out just so we'll all be legal and y'all feel good and confident that I'm preaching from the Word of God. Let's go to Matthew 16. I wish y'all were happier because I feel good. That amazing worship and those two words have exactly what I want to talk about tonight. So Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. The, uh, The passion guy says to offer yourself up to death. I don't know if Chrissy can get it around the corner, but she has an antidote for that. She has a reason. She's here. Listen to this guy today, and she has a reason why we even are doing that, why we even are against doing the thing Jesus said to do to get the stuff Jesus said we can have. As you continually surrender to my ways. So this is the truth about surrender. I want to talk about surrender and submit tonight. It's basically the same thing. Is that it's an ongoing process because, see, the thing that you're really doing is you're exchanging junk for royalty. You're exchanging poverty for riches. You're exchanging orphan mentality for a a king mindset. And, and that is a constant thing in your life. You're going to do it forever. Because why? Because the revelation of God is being poured out at levels to generations, all culminating on the one thing. When this life is or, I'll fly away. That's it. That's an old song. Another. Psh. Verse 25. For if you choose self-sacrifice... And lose your lives for my glory. You understand what he's saying here? 
He's saying, you've got this Adam life bent on selfish desires, getting your way. Have you ever thought you wanted something so bad? Like it was just like you just knew that you knew that you wanted it and then you got it and you're like, what? Like why was I wanting this? Have you ever done that? Has anyone ever done that at all? What's going on there is that there's a nature in you that drums up stuff. And you know, Pinterest and and Amazon helps with that. You know, have you ever gone on Amazon? They are so smart. They so know how human brains work better than you know how your brain works. And so they say, customers who looked at that also bought this. How many have been like, click? Come on, be honest. See, that's, that's the nature that we're trying to put some sort of straitjacket on. That nature that says, do I really need this or do I just want this? Do I have money for this or would I rather get some drums? I mean, everybody made a sacrifice, right? You, everybody could have used that money for something else. It's interesting, though, I have all these people who gave something, maybe sacrificially, and then the next day they heard of this amazing amount of money they were going to get from a random place. That's just cool how God, he, he doesn't, he's not limited. We're acting like we're doing him this big favor. You know, we're like, man, I'm, I'm just making this big sacrifice for one life, and I'm doing this big favor for them. I'm going to forever remember. In fact, when the drums get here, I'm going to look over there and say, I was a part of that, and I hope she plays them the way I want her to play them. I mean, see, we have all kinds of kooky things that go in here. I know no one's thinking that, but I'm just using that one. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continue to discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. I love this line in from Drew. He said, deterioration always sets in when we stop obeying the voice of God. It didn't, it's not immediate. Have you ever known somebody that, you know, walked with God a while back and then, you know, they kind of, they got offended, you know, and so then they left and then you see them a while later. She's been getting out of that hole a lot until she finally decided I'm not getting back in the hole. What is the hole for her? It's letting her mind begin to think about what she doesn't and can't do. That's just, that's just that trip up for her. Everybody's got a trip up. You may not even talk about it. You may not get, you may not gain 70 pounds and go get on drugs, but you may be sitting here in the room offended. And so you're not leaning all in because you're not listening to what anybody's saying. You're not listening to any counsel. You're just continually being offended in your smallness. And you're wondering why someone doesn't come over to your small camp. Remember, it's Independent Island. No one's going to visit. No one is going to visit. Do you know I have people in this room that are fasting and praying for other people in this room right now that you'll have breakthrough? People in this room praying for people in this room. We should be an entire community broken free. That is the truth. There has not been lack of truth. There has been lack of participation. And see, we cannot participate with truth when we're offended at the truth giver. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not T. 
Lenny. It's not Pam. It's not Christy. It's the Holy Spirit. He says life changes for the better when we hear the voice of God with a commitment to do whatever he asks. Are you listening with that kind of commitment? See, that's a pre-decision. Don't act like you're going to spend time with God and hear his voice and then you leave there and go, well, either he didn't speak to me at all or what he thought, what he expects me to do is too hard. Some of us are going around the same mountain over. I'm really trying to help you all now. I know some of y'all are already mad at me, but I'm really trying to help you. I'm really trying to free you. You are stuck. I love this. He says, unless we are prepared to act upon what we hear, we will never know the benefits of God's voice in our life. Let me just give you a few expected benefits of obedience. This is in the word. It's in the King James Version, so I gave us some T's of version so we would understand it. <laughs> Blessings in the city. This is where you live and where you travel. Blessing in the field. That's at work. Many children, spiritual and natural. The purpose of children was to train and leave them an inheritance yeah. and wealth. Yeah. Children are not for any other reason. No, don't believe me. It's okay. I just have to deliver it tonight. Ample crops, which is income. Large flocks and herds, which is substance. Blessings of fruit and bread, which is food. Blessings when you come in, when you go home. Blessings when you go out, when you move about the town. Our enemies will be scattered before us. That means no enemy can affect your life. This should make you want to obey right there. That's the purpose of obedience is that he keeps you out of all harm. See, (laughs) what has happened in our life is that we have chosen... Can I just shoot it straight? Let me. Sh- I know Aaron don't care. We've chosen a life of laziness. We're not in the Word. We're not in His presence every day. And then when things happen, we act like God's not on His post. And see, obedience is an ongoing thing. It's not obedience. See, I, I've, I, I'm. I'm really admonishing you tonight that don't do this two-week I'm all in thing. It's not going to work. Don't be on point for two weeks and then slide back to old brother. It's not going to work. If that old brother is just lurking back there waiting to come out, fix him. How do you fix him? You kill him. He's the problem. Okay. The Lord will prosper you in everything you do. All you decide to do. Because he's your delight, right? You're in obedience, right? See, we want these without obedience. That's the reality. And everybody you know does. They want partial obedience and full blessing. 
And see, the thing about you have to understand about God is that he's the standard maker. This was his plan. This was his gig. This was his creation. It's, creation. it's his deal. It's not your deal. Every way that you're not doing his way, you are going to have to adjust or you won't have his way. I wish it was some other plan where you could just do half and it would be accomplishing this great thing, but you can't be half. If you get half blank, then you're going to have half blank. It's just the truth of the matter. It That's just the truth. And so, see, you have to cut, you have to have enough in you that says, "Oh, I'm so tired of being lazy. I'm so tired of being less. I'm so tired of always being drugged behind the truck. I'm going to step up in my place and I'm going to surrender." Right. Yeah. It says, "He will change us into a holy place dedicated to Himself." This means He'll do the work in us yeah. when I'm obedient. He's doing a work in me. That means he's going to show me where I'm not holy. You want this. All nations will see that we belong to the Lord. This is just the promises from the word for obedient people. Okay. All nations. Who's the nations? This should tell you that if you want to conquer the enemy and take territory for the kingdom then obedience is the only way. All nations will see that we belong to the Lord and they will stand in awe of us. Of us. People who see us will know something has changed and we're different than them. Comma, they'll want what we have. They'll want what we are. The Lord will give us abundance of good things. I mean, he's already given us everything. And then he just said, yeah, how about some whipped cream? How about some whipped cream? Want some whipped cream? I got whipped cream. I've got goodness upon all the blessings and provision and protection and everything that I've already given you. How about some whipped cream on that? And see, every good thing comes from him. See, the thing you have to realize is that he's always been good. Just because we don't understand the Old Testament doesn't mean that he wasn't good. It's just that we didn't have full understanding about it. Another thing Mendel might throw in tonight, I don't know. But it could be, it could be life-changing. He will bless everything we do. I think he already said he'd prosper, but now he's going to bless it. That means there must be two different things. Since his voice is what we follow then everything we do is successful. We will be able to lend to others and don't need to borrow. That just means you've got extra. Extra. Obedience leads to extra. Do you want extra? See, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just love it. That the Lord said to me, me and Vinton were talking about the drums, and I was like, I picked out this cheaper pair, you know. And I was like, hey, I think we'll get this cheap pair. And he was like, hey, I called. I love V. And um, there's some really cool gadgetry. He knows he can get me on that. There's some really cool gadgetry on this other set, and it might be. And I'm like, you're right. I like that cool gadgetry. And, and then I'm, you know, I, got, I go into justification. Yeah, and if we had to buy that, we'd be here. If we had to buy that, we'd be here. Before you know it, we got the bigger set. Yeah. 
clearly we could have bought the cheaper set. But clearly. Now it's, it's laughable, isn't it? I told you that people just need to make me uncomfortable. We need to go for the more. No, it's too late. <laughs> the Lord will make us the head and not the tail. What does that mean? You're going to be a leader. You're going to be a reformer. Wow. Maybe you don't want to be. See that? I think that I think I've no no. I think I figured it out that some of us just don't want that. We want to be sipping pina coladas on the beach somewhere and have no worries for the rest of my days. And then in eternity, we'll just, we'll be the pina colada maker. That's all we'll do. Because that was really important to us. With a little umbrella. I want to change lives. I want to watch people who used to eat a dollar pizza drive up in a new Audi. That's what I want to see. And no, she didn't get it from y'all. She got it from him. Because that's just how good he is. We're going to be leaders and reformers, not underneath the poverty and sickness and wrong mindsets. That's really what obedience does. It bring, do you understand? It brings you out of a small place into a broad place, connected to the one who has everything. Who wouldn't want that? And he put, I said it on Sunday, he put within us the power to obey. We just have to come. Think about it. He's saying, would you come meet with me every day to get my instructions so you can have everything wonderful in your life? We're like, nah, I don't have time for that. Nah. No, I'm just too busy with work. I'm too busy with work. I just, I mean, I can't get up that early. I'm already tired. Last one, we shall have the upper hand. That means we're just going to be plain successful. Okay, let me read you a couple more things. I love this in James 4. Let's read that real quick, shall we? James 4, 7. So submit, do you like that word? Yes. To the authority of God. So see, there's a place in this world for God's authority. You know, God is a God, another thing Mendel might say later, God is a God of many names, many hats, right? Many, many things, isn't he? He, he's doing all kinds. He's, he's the God of everything. So everything means he has many names, many functions, right? Have you ever thought of that? Have you? It's a cool gig if you can think about God has many functions. So he said to submit. Now this word is hippopotamus, and it means, that's in the Greek, and it means, listen to this, to yield to one's advice. To obey, to be subject, to subject oneself, to obey again, to place in subjection again, to arrange underneath. And I love this. He said, the Greek military term to arrange is like in a troop division, in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In a non-military way, it's a voluntary attitude of giving in. 
Did you hear that? Do you remember what we said Sunday about the willingness of your heart? A voluntary attitude of giving in. Ask yourself the question, why do I not want to give in? See, whenever it's because of control, let me see, it's the big C. The, the reason we want control is because someone injured us. See, here's a weird thing about injury is that the enemy makes you think everyone is going to re-injure you in the same way. And he'll even trigger you. They'll smell like that old person or they'll eat the same chocolate candy bar that old person ate or, you know, they'll say some, they'll be the same personality or they'll have the same hair color or they'll have the same hand motion. I had somebody one time that didn't want anybody to ever do this to them again. I was like, I don't think I can, I don't think I can keep the entire world from doing this to you. It's impossible. So see, the thing of it is God made provision to heal where the injury occurred so the same smell or the same point or the same hair color or the same candy bar doesn't trigger us anymore. And see, the enemy wants to lie to us and say, oh, you can't trust anybody. You can't get, you cannot voluntarily give in because they might take advantage of you. When Papa's like, look, I set up a whole gig for you. I gave you sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and all that stuff you've been looking for and new clothes and shoes and cars and buildings and planes and automobiles and birds and pergolas and all the things you want in my abundant storehouse, right? And then we're just like, yeah, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know. You, you were kind of hard tonight, Tisa. You were yelling a lot. <laughs> When you yell, I can't hear you because my introvert ears are hurting. And you you said a word today that I said to somebody else yesterday. And so you must have got a phone call from them and they must have told you what I said. Yeah, this is all the ones I get. See, the thing of it is, is that it's just an invitation. I've got all this. I've invited you for free. For free. To be involved in my planet. To be involved in all the stuff I want to do on the planet. I pick you. Now, in this generation, in this geographical, in this city. In a place where there's an abundance of jobs. Which means an abundance of moolah. Which means an abundance of... Getting a building. Whatever you need. It says, a voluntary attitude of giving in and cooperating. Now see, cooperating isn't, you do all the work and just tell me something to do. It's getting in there. What can I do? Where can I help? What can I do? See, the thing of it is, when we get in there and help, that gives us an opportunity for refinement. It's a voluntary attitude of cooperating and assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. This is the definition of hippopotamus, of submit. This is it. Let's read a little more of Andrew, shall we? He said, the heart of Christ 
was set on claiming his rightful dominion over the world he had redeemed and won for himself. Who else paid the ultimate price? He won you. He didn't win you to just mess up everything he won. He won you unto himself. I wish you could get the heart of the matter. That, that's the truth of what we are supposed to be claiming as being Christ followers. I've been one to him. He counts on his disciples to undertake and carry out the work. When I, when I read this today, I thought of this little, we're going to do the alignment book next. We've bought them already, so, you know, we're going to be starting that soon, so you can get yours probably starting next week. But I'm, I was reading this little thing in that book, and he said this. So, so he was talking about praying for a woman and stuff like that. So he said, our goal in ministry is first to recognize our connection with God. I love to stop and turn my attention and affection toward him, recognizing his presence in me. You, we all have to know how to do that. If you don't know how to do that, you need to learn how to do that. It's very easy. He tells me he is within me, and I honor his word by recognizing his presence based on that truth. Based on what truth? That he said it. That he said it. That he said it. If he said it, it's true. No matter what he said. See, I, I can't want him to adjust and give me another confirmation of something he already said was true. Are you with me? Whether he says, he, let me reread that. He tells me he's within me and I honor his word by recognizing his presence based on that truth. Whether I see, taste, smell, hear, or feel him. See, this is a huge key in carrying his presence to the world is that you have to recognize it has nothing to do with your five senses. Let's use those at another time, like when we eat some ice cream or something. Okay? Okay? Let's don't use them as a minister and carrier of his presence. I'm just trying to help you here. See, you're trying to get God's presence to fit inside your little container and make you know this is him by this goosebump I feel. What if you were goosebumpless? Do you know? See, the, the question is going to come down to do you know? He says he's here. The honor of that simple recognition opens up galaxies of interactions. That's the level that we've got to move to, people. We've got to move to this level of recognizing who he is and what he says he is, not how I feel about it. It is just the fact that this is what he said. He said that if you invite him into your heart, he lives in there. He's come to dwell in there and remodel it. Why does he want to remodel it? Because he wants the thing that flows out of it to be looking like him and him only. He says, I now understand that I don't have to know what to do or how to do it. He's here. I'm not trying to drum up an emotion. 
but simply recognizing capital T truth and honoring truth. I spoke about truth for weeks on end. I have this connection because of what he has done. When I recognize my love connection with God, I then turn my attention to the person who needs healing. He's just speaking of healing, and we can use this in other instances, okay? I connect with, it was a woman, I connect with her. I like to take her hand as if to shake it as I greet her, but often I don't let go immediately. I ask her her name, then I call her by her name, and I look into her eyes because the eyes are the lamp of the soul. I'm becoming the connection between her and the God in me. Whoever wants to say, send me. This connection is more important to me than knowing the details of their condition. I may ask her about her condition or not. I may have a word of knowledge for her that God is showing me about a condition in her body she has not yet told me and that he's here to heal it. If I do ask about her condition, it's usually to be polite and to get a clear target at which to aim. I don't want a lot of information because I know that the solution is not in knowing how bad the problem is. She may want the empathy of having someone to understand her problem, but that will not heal her. Many times it actually helps people stay in their problem. We've all done that. We just missed it. We became more aware of empathy than we were of him. That was for us. That was for us. That was for us. That was for us. If she wants to go on and on telling me her problems, I will gently shush her. It might feel rude to her, but it's really important. My connection with her is spiritual and physical. The only soul connection that is important to me right then is that she feels safe with me and God. Did you get the difference? See, we are we're so bent on having this soul connection with people, and it has no it has no potential to heal anyone. That's for us. I honor her, but not her condition or the emotion and mental atmosphere that surrounds it. Why do you pick up on all these atmospheric things? Because the mental and emotional condition has been all stirred up and stirred up and stirred up. Remember, all sicknesses of the devil. This should change somebody's life tonight, I'm just saying. I'm inviting her into the atmosphere of heaven. That's the difference. That's the difference. You've got to get this tonight. That part of the obedience covenant is that I get to do this with people. Who wouldn't want to? This is how you get to where your shadow heals people. is because you're so much more aware of the shadow maker than you are of the disease.
just let me read one a little bit more. What do what we do once we have made the connections between God and our friend is impossible to define. Jesus said that he just did what he saw the Father do, and I like to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing right now? It's wonderful when I see and hear directions from him, but if I don't receive anything right away, I know that I have asked and essentially given him the permission and welcomed his interaction in any way he wants to manifest. I am perfectly happy not to orchestrate how he should do his job. I love his surprises. These are just benefits of obedience. I'm trying to stir up something in you that says, I'm so tired of living so small, waiting for permission. You have so much permission, you're not even exercising in it. But also know that that's part of the refining process. It's part of the exercise. It's part of the training. Get out there and try it and share. and Share successes and share failures so we can all learn. I love it because Hebrew 5 says that Jesus learned obedience. I mean, if any dude didn't need it, you'd think, right? But he was a man. <laughs> Let's just say we're going to do what Jesus did. WWJD. What would he do? He would learn obedience. Let's read that scripture, shall we? Hebrews 5.8. I think I have it here. This will shock you. <laughs> it says, verse 7 says, During Christ's days on earth, he pleaded with God, praying with passion. Remember, in the garden, right? Not every day of his life. Right? <laughs> Stop pleading with God every day of your life to just change your life. This is the life you got. that he would spare him from death. And because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered. And he was delivered. But even though he was a wonderful son, he learned and listened and obeyed through all of his sufferings. The deliverance was he died on the cross and rose again. He was delivered from the suffering. Oh, y'all didn't get that. He learned obedience. See, we're so afraid of the word suffering, we don't even know what it means anymore. This might mean like a splinter. We're so messed up with the word suffering. We are so messed up with it. We have set our lives up with so much comfort. That's why I said last week is you're ear connected to your comfort level. You will make concessions. You will build idols out there. You will get people. You'll be mad at people that they don't meet your needs. Literally, you will be mad. It's so crazy, isn't it, when you hear it said out loud that some human being has the capability of fixing everything inside this thing? (laughs) What's your problem? Why didn't you do all that for me today? It's like a bunch of two-year-olds. He, even though he was a wonderful son, he learned to listen and obey through his suffering, sufferings. And after being proven perfect in his way, he now became the source of eternal salvation to all those who listen to him and obey. obey. Back to Andrew. Christ does not teach or argue or ask or plead. He simply commands. 
We kind of all needed to go into the military, didn't we? Just to learn what it feels like. Just just to get the feeling of doing something at a certain time when you don't feel like it. I mean, it's, I want to use this big word, it's pathetic that we are adults and we cannot discipline ourselves to be mentored. I mean, it's, it feels like in this day and age when all this crazy stuff's going on, when there's all this help available, it seems crazy to me. It's like it's free. And, and we should want to hear it and adjust it because remember the four people that I read on Sunday? They're just telling you your blind spots. They're just telling you you got boogers on your face. And you're like, no, well, the reason why I have a booger on my face is because I have a nose. Clearly, I know this. It's like we want to make an excuse for the thing we habitually do as if it's going to cause the person to say, right, just live with those boogers. And see, eventually you have to just say that. Yes, please, just walk around with those boogers on your face, please. Christ does not teach or argue or plead or ask. He commands. He's not asking. You've been purchased. You're not your own. You can pick up some definition from the world and act like that's some sort of slave mentality or some sort of weird mentality, but it's not. It's the mentality of a kingdom where a king established an earth and put you in it and said, you have a choice. You can obey or you cannot. Let's not act like it's some other kingdom. And if you obey, you receive all of these benefits over and over more than you can contain. And you're set up for life in eternity. I love this. He said, he has trained his disciples to obedience. He has attached them to himself in a love they can obey. He's already breathed his own resurrection spirit into them. He can count on them. He can say to them, go into all the world. The, the secret of true obedience um, is clear and in clo- in cl- it's a clear and close pers- personal relationship with God. So he, he speaks in King James, so I'm trying to rewrite it. The secret of true obedience is a close and clear personal relationship to God. All of our attempts after full obedience will be failures until we get access to his abiding fellowship. That's abiding. I've been talking about abiding in the mind, about being grafted in. It's God's holy presence consciously abiding with us that keeps us from disobeying him. So let me just say it another way. As snugged up as you can get to his presence then if you're not away from his presence, it'll be easy to obey. If you find yourself failing, 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 repeating, 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 it's because you haven't been with him. I wish there was some other way. I mean, you're not going to go all day without eating or drinking. You're not going to go all day without eating or drinking. I mean, unless you're fasting yourself. I mean, you're not going to go all day. Why? Because something in you is going, eat. Isn't it? Your body will quit functioning as it was meant to if it does not have nutrients. Your spiritual man is the same way. It's the way he set it up. This is the dynamic 
of the spiritual world, that it has to have elements constantly nurturing and feeding us. And to the degree that we do that is the degree that obedience is easy. To the degree that I just try to obey out of my own will, I'll mess up all the time. I will tell you that if you can continually fail in the same way, it's because you're using your own self to obey. And you don't have the power to do it. You're not that strong. You will fail. I know you don't believe me, but I'm almost through. The secret of true obedience is the return to close and continual fellowship with God. I love this scripture in, um, I think I wrote it down. Oh, did I? Yes. I, well, I, I didn't write the whole scripture down, but I said this. All scripture about repentance has to do to with turning back, which means that we already knew it. Just think about it. That, I mean, there's in Jeremiah 3, you can read about it. There's one there. But it, it's always about returning back. There's something we knew previously. We came to the planet, deposited the truth, of the, the faith and truth of who he is. We had to reject it. We maybe didn't mean to. Maybe nobody taught us. But he says when we repent, we're turning back to the true kingdom. The secret of true obedience is returning close, continual fellowship with God. So, this is what he said. Suffering is unnatural to us. Therefore, it requires and calls for the surrender, surrender of our will. Your will is what's afraid to suffer. Your will is afraid. That's why it's so strong. It's like bracing. I am not going to suffer. We don't even suffer around here. There's no threat of the cross for being a Christian. I mean, seriously, we're so we're wimpy. We don't want to be wimpy. You don't want to be wimpy to say. Just say it for fun tonight. I don't want to be wimpy. Just ask your mentor if you're wimpy. Let them tell you the truth. <laughs> the desire for fellowship with God is that the desire for self is what we were created for in God's likeness. It, it is. We were made to desire fellowship with God. We were made to desire it. See, when we exchange that desire, we get our desires get our wacky. They get all wacky because we see something on the TV or we hear something that gives us a little goosebump. We get get all worked up about something we can't even, it's not even real. I love this. He said, um, the, this fellowship time with God is where our spiritual life is both tested and strengthened. What the heck? So here we are. We're just going to fellowship with God, and he's going to hand one strengthen you today by giving you a challenge. Don't you want a challenge? I so do. I so do. I so want a challenge. I so want for my weird thoughts just to hit me smack in the face. I just want someone to tell me, you're being all choleric. I just, oh yes, I, I am one, and I am being one, and that's not right right there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you give anyone permission to do that with you? You're being all phlegmatic. What does that mean for you? You're being all sanguine. What does that mean for you? See, there's pros and cons to all of our personalities, but the reality is, is that we're happening those personalities on people. We're happening our injuries on people. Don't make people heal you. Let, let the healer heal you. There's a battlefield where it is to be decided every day whether God is going to have it all, whether our life is going to be absolute obedience. If we truly conquer there, getting rid of ourselves and into the hands of the Almighty, the victory during that day is sure. I love it. He talks about how, this is of course back in the, probably the 1850s or so, but he talks about a daily surrender of your life to him and giving him absolute authority every day, saying to him every day, spending time with him every day, putting him in that lordship place in your life every day. You know, we get away from all of these ways because we have to work or we have to do, we have to do all these things on our own. That's what we're saying. On my own, I have to go to work. And so I don't have time to make you Lord today. I'll just do it in the car on the way. We're really giving God the short end of the stick. And we're wanting him to come through in a mighty way. And we haven't even positioned him in the right place. He said, it is there in that inner chamber. Proof is to be given, given whether we really delight in God or not. And make it our aim to love him with our whole heart. He said, let this be our first lessons. The presence of God is the chief thing. And let the renewal of your surrender to absolute obedience for that day be the chief part of your morning sacrifice. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. I love these uh, new definitions, don't you? Now, I know um, TISA is really fun and exciting, and I think we all leave here motivated to participate with what she's talked about. But just in case you need a little more, I felt a little more motivation, um, something else to stick with you. I will share a little bit about what I was uh, learning today that TISA alluded to earlier. Um, and then I wanted to share just a quick thing about a dream I had last night um, that's kind of exciting when we stop and think about it. So I was listening to this teaching today by Robin Bullock, and it's a really, really good teaching. It's really in-depth, and he has this profound revelation on Scripture that I, I wish I had all the time in the world to study it out. But he wrote a book on this particular subject, and it said it took him 20 years to research and, and write that book. So I'm just going to, in faith, share with you what I think the Holy Spirit was highlighting um, today to go along with this message, because I do feel like um, the Holy Spirit talks to me that way, and he highlights different things. And so his goal in this um, teaching was basically to show that God had given to him this revelation and proved to him in Scripture that God is absolutely good, has always been good, has never not been good which I don't think any of us here really have a hard time with that, but there are some things like in the Old Testament that are hard to look at on maybe our current understanding and say, well, that was good. You know, when you wiped out all those people, 
it's hard to say that's maybe good, you know, so we can get caught up on that kind of stuff. So he had this really incredible revelation that explained that. And that's not really my focus for sharing this with you tonight, but an interesting concept came out of it that has to do with our obedience. And um, so what he explained just briefly, he pointed out that, you know, there's multiple different names for God used in the Bible. And a lot of times, since we don't understand all the different definitions of those names, we just assume that they all mean the same thing. Well, he was proposing that in Genesis, in chapter one in Genesis, that the first um, times that the name God is used, it's capital G-O-D, and it's in Hebrew, it was the Elohim was the name. And he said, that's the name for God, the full person of God, like all the aspects of God. Okay, all the fullness of God is Elohim. But when it came time for, it's not until Genesis 2, all of a sudden the Bible starts using um, Yahweh Elohim or the Lord God in other scripture and other versions, right? And so there's a reason why those there's different names for that, uh, for God that is used. And so he said he has discovered that the difference between Elohim and then um, Yahweh Elohim was that Yahweh Elohim was one aspect of God. So you know how um, it's a really good way to see it is like Tisa, um, tonight you saw her as a preacher, okay, or a teacher, but she's also a designer. She also, you know, does great construction. And so she has different aspects of her that are still her, but they're individual aspects of her. So, um, so he was saying that Yahweh Elohim was one aspect of God. And this is the aspect of God that it says breathed life into man. And, and I, I really wish I had, I had more time to study this out before I shared this with you, but he was basically implying that it was this aspect of God that breathed life into all of creation. And that, that Yahweh Elohim was the, is the government, governmental aspect of God. And so what's a government? A government, and simply put, is a system or the, the rules by which any system operates. Okay, that's just my definition. The rules by which any system operates. So he was, Robin Bullock was proposing that when God breathed life and, cr and created life in the form that he had made of the planet, that it was actually breathing in his government into, into the world. And so that government of how this whole thing called life was going to work was this was a system of uh, seed sowing and harvesting. And so if you really stop and think about it, everything works that way. I mean, we know obviously people do, you know, but there's also like your yard is starting to grow grass again. I mean, everything. And even the fact that like he used a great example that made me think about even if you stick, take a, a stick and just put it in the, bury it in the ground and come back later to check on it, it starts to break down. That's because this life cycle is at work, even in the soil. And so if you think about it, I mean, we take this stuff for granted all the time, right? That life, there is the, the breath of God, life in our planet was actually breathed into him. 
And so what, what Robin Bullock was explaining by this is that this was a governmental system about how all of life, humanity, how life would work. Seed, sowing, and harvesting. Sowing and reaping. And so his point was, just to cover that real quickly, that we can say that God is always good because what happened was um, man chose to sow bad seed. And so the harvest came for them that was a harvest of death, a harvest of all of these bad outcomes. Now, now God set this governmental system up intending for man to thrive and intending to make a way for us to be kings and be plentiful and to really to reproduce and cover the earth and have have plenty and to participate with him in that right so when he said that in the garden of eden that he said this principle was explained to adam and eve and that um the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the one tree you know that they weren't supposed to eat and he said that that god told them you can eat from all these other trees. Your harvest will come and all of these other trees. This one tree you leave, leave alone. That's like your seed. You leave that. Don't eat from that tree. Just like, you know, if you eat the seed, it's not going to grow fruit. It's not going to grow the thing that you need to plant it and make it grow. So leave that one for me. He said, that's almost like your tithe. Like it was their tithe to God. You have all of this, but you leave that one thing for me. And this was the, a, a system of how they were, he provided for them. And the fruit and everything grew at that point, you know, just naturally everything grew in the land. They didn't have to toil in the earth for that. Well, he said, likewise, if you choose to disobey me and you choose to eat from that tree, that choice is also a seed and it will reap death. Okay. So it was a, they chose to eat that seed which then brought the harvest of, of that spiritual death for them. And um, so what was interesting is that he said when the serpent was lying to Eve about that, that the serpent basically said, um, Eve, you don't really have to live underneath this government. This, that, that system of seed sowing and harvesting, you don't really have to live by that. That's not really the law of the land. You can actually choose to do whatever you want and without consequences. That that's what Eve said. Eve was told by the serpent. And so that was how obe disobedience entered the world right there. And so the, it was really interesting. There's way more that he shared about this. He said that at that point, they no longer knew Elohim. They walked in the garden with Elohim, the fullness of God. But when they died that, that death from that seed of death that they chose, that they no longer knew Elohim and they only knew this governmental version of God. And so that's, it's really interesting. And there's a lot of directions to run with that. But what really struck me was that how relatable that is, what the serpent said to Eve, to what we are present day and on every scale, right? That we can live and choose things without consequence. That there is no natural consequence of anything. You can do what you want. There's no natural consequence. Well, 
Now, I think we can think of a ton of really, you know, extreme examples in the world right now, and especially the political environment and all these different things, right, of that. But what really struck me was that he also said, and there was a scripture to back it up that said something along the lines of, along the lines that man uh, wakes up and goes to sleep and wakes up and goes to sleep and all day long he's sowing seed and he doesn't know it. And this, 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 the point was that we are sowing seed all day long and it's our words and it's the things we choose to partner with, including things like fear, the spirits we partner with. We are actually sowing seeds that have a harvest attached to them. And so I really, you know, felt very convicted myself because I will, um, you know, battle with fear sometimes and I don't, um, I'm not as good at watching what I say as I would like to be. You know, there's those little phrases that are kind of common, like, like oh, my back is killing me. That's a seed. That's a seed of death right there. Yeah. You know, those things, my head's killing me, those kind of things that are considered acceptable in our society. And so there's all sorts of things like that that I realize that I still um, sow. I sow seeds like that. And I was sitting there thinking tonight, and I, I feel like I can safely say that there's not one person in here, not one person in this room, and probably not one person listening that doesn't have room to improve in this area. That we, we because, I mean, we're so many generations down the road, if you think about it from Adam and Eve, we have this permissive environment to disregard the governmental system that God set up from the beginning of just how life works. There is a, there's seed and there's sowing and there's reaping. And we have given ourselves permission to think, well, you know, everybody does it. So it's, it's not that damaging. You know, we, I can say this and I can lay in bed and fear for hours on end. I can do, I can allow myself to do it because it's so common, but that is giving ourselves permission to disobey the opportunity that God has given us in this life. And it's an area I think that we could really apply to this message tonight that we have got to really accept the reality that we are sowing all the time. You are either sowing a seed of life or a seed of death. Every minute, every minute we're sowing seeds. And so that's all the more reason why we want to be obedient because all of his instructions and all of the things that the Holy Spirit convicts us of, it's for our good because he's saying, hey, I'm sure you want to sow a good seed right here. I'm sure you want to reap a good harvest, not a bad harvest. Now, of course, we have Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, right? Because now we are living in the new covenant. And so there's also tons of scriptures that show that, um, you know, even I think it was in Genesis that where um, God says now your seed will um, be enmity, in enmity with, with the woman's seed and one will stomp on the other one's head and all of that. That was all um, pointing to the fact that Jesus was a seed to be sown into the world. So Jesus came as a seed of salvation for us. And so now we have a harvest, so to speak, in Jesus when we join up with him. And so we have that grace that we talked about. We have all of all that comes with Jesus now. So 
there's there is a forgiveness from you know we don't have to all go home tonight fearing the worst for everything that all the bad seeds we've sown up until this moment you know we can plead the blood of jesus over that and he specifically said praising god and pleading the blood of jesus we we want to actively participate in that process because it will cancel those unwanted harvests so I think, you know, it was really cool. And actually Pam pointed out to me this afternoon when I was sharing a little bit of this with her, but we just wrote that song not too long ago about in the secret place. And it, this makes so much more sense. Now the, the one verse that we wrote that just, it really stood out to us is you laid down in the soil I was planted in. Jesus was the seed. He laid down in the soil where we were planted. He was resurrected and he pulled us back up to life again. And so, oh man, you, just, you could just go into a, a worship all over again right there with that, right? Yeah. So on that note, I wanted to share too about this, this little quick dream I had last night that was just really going, uh, going over and over in my mind, but it was real simple. And basically... In the dream, we had heard um, Isaiah 60, just the, ch the whole chapter, Isaiah 60, and that this was coming and that there was Isaiah 60 in correlation with, an, with other verses that were 11-11 verses. And it meant in the dream that Isaiah 60 was happening right now, present day, and it was time. And everybody was sharing that from going, I mean, saying like, you got to tell somebody it's 1111 with Isaiah 60. It's 1111 with Isaiah 60. And so if you remember just a couple services ago, Tisa recommended that we all read Isaiah 60. And she, she shared a little bit from it, but it's the, the whole chapter is the glorious new day. Rise up in splendor and be radiant for your light has dawned. And Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Look carefully, darkness blankets the earth and thick gloom covers the nations, but Yahweh arises upon you and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Yeah. Now, just the other section titles in the Passion Translation of Isaiah 60, Zion's wealth, Zion's restoration, Zion's honor, everything made better, Zion's glory. All of that is in Isaiah 60. And so just for fun, you know, I looked up some of the 1111 um, scriptures that I thought might apply, and there were several, and this was just the Holy Spirit speaking through these. But um, one of, I see, this is Acts 1111. says, at that moment, three men from Caesarea who had been sent for me approached the house where I was staying. Okay, again, this was the, a prophetic message that these verses were converging. And, I, and it meant that it, Isaiah 60 was now, it was time right now, personally for us. And so this verse, at that moment, okay, at that moment, three men, and then they come to the house where I was staying. So it's present day and it's personal. Okay, at that moment and where I was staying, the house where I was staying. Isaiah 11, 11 starts with, on that day. The Lord will extend his hand a second time to restore the remnant of his people. John 11, 11. Then Jesus added, 
Lazarus, Lazarus, our friend has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. So I'm just saying prophetically, Holy Spirit is saying Isaiah 60, it's now, it's now, it's time is now present day. It's personal and it's present day. And so again, all the more reason why we would want to be lining up with him in every possible way we can. We would want to be asking our mentors and, and we would definitely want to be asking the Holy Spirit to show us, like Tisa said, anytime our thoughts are off, our actions are off, our words are off, show us so that we can correct it and we can plead the blood of Jesus over it, cancel out any negative harvest and immediately line up under that grace and to receive the good harvest that he wants. And then we participate. We're fully involved in Isaiah 60. So fun. So Papa, we just want to say thank you today. We love you. Thank you, Elohim, that you made it possible for us to know you and your fullness that we are no longer separated only under this governmental structure with you, but we actually get to know you in the fullness of who you are, all the aspects of you. What an incredible privilege and an incredible honor. And so we say yes to you and we say that we will be obedient. And again, every time we think of obedience, we will think of your grace, which empowers us to obey. So we will never again say that I can't do it. We will never again say that I can't do it. And so we just ask for your forgiveness and we plead the blood of Jesus right now over any time we've said, I can't, and that it's just impossible for us to obey. We just ask for your forgiveness and we repent and we turn the other way and we say all things are possible with you. And we thank you for making it all possible for us to be in complete alignment with you. And so we will speak words of life and we will see sow seeds of life in all of our choices. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our friend, our paraclete that comes and sits with us and goes with us everywhere we, where we go to help us and guide us and lead us in all of our decisions and choices so that every moment of the day we can be sowing seeds of life. Thank you, Papa. You made such a beautiful life available to us, and we want to fully embrace it and fully participate with you in it. So we say thank you, and we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.